0: Hello, and welcome to Pacific Roots Magazine podcast. In this episode, we talk with Dr. Johannes Eisenbach of Biocyclic Vegan Agriculture. As stated on their website, biocyclic vegan agriculture means purely plant-based organic farming. This form of cultivation excludes all commercial livestock farming and slaughtering of animals, and does not use any inputs of animal origin. Special emphasis is placed on the promotion of biodiversity, healthy soil life, the closure of organic cycles, and on systematic humus buildup. Since November 2017, the BioCyclic Vegan Standard has been available worldwide as a global standard for vegan organic farming, accredited by IFOAM. Uh, BioCyclic Vegan Vegan Network, thank you for being here.
1: Thank you very much for calling me.
0: Um, So I just want to start by reading some um, press Headlines uh, where I learned about your organization first. So in the Guardian, Rise of the Vegan Vegetable, the Farmers Who Shun Animal Manure, Veg Economist has some great pieces on you, Biocyclic Vegan, Vegan Agriculture, a Background, Organic Farming the Vegan Way, Um, Are Vegetables Vegan, the Man Taking Aim at Animal Products in the Guardian. These are all articles that reference you. And the reason I wanted to talk with you is that um, biocyclic vegan standard is the only such, that I'm aware of, such a standard on the planet. So what you're doing is really um, cutting edge and important. And also the reality part of the commitment at Pacific Roots Magazine is helping raise awareness about the reality of vegan vegan agriculture, that it exists. So what you're doing, I believe, is something that many of us did not even know was possible. So I would love to hear more about what you're doing. Um, You're in Cyprus right now.
1: Yes, yes. I'm in Cyprus. This is the the head office of uh, the international um, administrative unit uh, of organic Uh, of uh, uh, biocyclic vegan agriculture. So, um, uh, BNS is uh, considered to be the, the, um, yes, uh, the administrative uh, center of um, all activities, uh, which has to do with uh, the development and with with the promotion of uh, biocyclic vegan uh, projects worldwide. So, this had to do with the fact that uh, the biocyclic vegan standard has been developed many, many years ago, um, more or less by uh, one of the pioneers of organic farming in northern Germany. Uh, His name is Adolf Hoops, And uh, Adolf Hobbes never had any animal husbandry on his farm. Um, He started uh, gardening and farming in 1953, so this was a a period where even the word vegan was not available, (laughs) at least in the (laughs) German-speaking countries, and uh, so he didn't use this term at all, but he never had animals on his farm, he never used animal manure for growing vegetables and other crops. And uh, I was very happy to get to know him in 1982 uh, when he held a speech uh, in front of uh, uh, yes, farmers and gardeners uh, who were interested in organic farming. So he was introducing um, to these people um, organic farming practices uh, in a way as he did. So it was already biocyclic vegan. So the first part of the bias of the term biocyclic vegan had to be born when I got to know him because he was always talking about uh, the creation and the maintenance of of um, natural cycles of organic matter um, and of nutrients. So I told him that this uh, this could be expressed, the sentence could be expressed by a Greek word, which is biocyclic. Bios is, or bios is the Greek word for life, and kyklos uh, is uh, the word for cycle. So um, even in the, in the 1980s, we uh, we started to use the term biocyclic by meaning giving a very, very... Um, uh, give you evidence to the to the fact that we have to recycle everything which is produced on a field has to come back to the field and we have to uh, to create this cycle of nutrients in a, in a clean way in a, in, a, in a manner which is not influenced by any poisonous um, uh, surroundings or so then uh, a Personally, I went to Greece together with my family in 1995 and uh, the the idea, we call it the uh, biocyclic idea, uh, we transferred this idea to Greece and I asked Adolf Hobbes if he would be um, able to come with me to Greece to just to prove if his um, findings and his experiences can be repeated under the circumstances of Greek agriculture, of Mediterranean agriculture. And he immediately said, yes, I will do that. So he came uh, with uh, seedlings, with uh, fertile soil, with uh, uh, some seeds which he knew to grow. So, he said, I don't want to introduce now um, uh, German seeds in Greece, but I know how the plants behave and I can interpret very much easier the behavior of these plants when I see uh, how they grow in Greece. So very very quickly to make it sure, very quickly we we recognize, we realized that his method can be used not only in in German agriculture but worldwide and it was even working better in Greece than he had experienced in Germany. So um, this was the, the starting point where this central idea of, of creating cycles came to Greece and in the meantime we developed this uh, this idea um, we developed the first step of uh, standard in Greece and uh, this is the reason why now Cyprus is the head office of the orga- of the <coughs> biocyclic vegan standard um, so it's just to to tell you the history which is behind
0: that. Right. It's very interesting. I want to mention what happened before our chat, um, that we were a little delayed because you had a farm calling you to get uh that they, they were interested in um accreditation or or the standard. So yes, you, I would love to hear about uh y- you are working with farms all over well, not just Greece and Germany, but yes. worldwide. Yes. So how worldwide. yes how has yeah. the... Um, reception grown and the interest of farms is developing uh, from particular
1: regions. Um, Yes, so there are, um, I can say that the awareness of um, making a step towards a real sustainable and new form of organic agriculture uh, is growing day by day. We are receiving daily um, uh, requests from farmers And from companies which are um, which are producing or they are they are um, uh, processing products from those farms, Uh, they want to be certified against the uh, biocyclic vegan standard. So this is a very encouraging development. Uh, What we need on the other side is the growing awareness on the side of the consumers and the traders, that they have to realize that uh, just to consume a vegan product doesn't mean that this product has been cultivated according to vegans uh, to vegan uh, criteria. And there is another article, I don't know if you uh, saw it, um, oh yeah, I think you mentioned it, uh, by OrganicGlobal.com, NaturalGlobal.com. Um, which has the title is 2020 the breakthrough of, yeah, of okay. organic agriculture so this breakthrough can be done uh, very easily if there is an awareness of, uh, among the consumers so this is a main point uh, I, can, I can say that uh, uh, many many producers came to the conclusion that they have to switch to biocyclic vegan. themselves even years ago because they had some experiences with either with animal manure or with other agricultural inputs produced from animal uh, residues like for example um, bone meal, blood meal um, or horn and and so on so and uh, for example there was one farmer in Germany he found that his organic fertilizer was smelling like uh, tires uh, from from cars and he was wondering how it comes this terrible smell um, so he, he realized that this uh, this is produced in India and they were burning um, the um, these parts from the slaughterings they were burning on uh, the, the fuel was were the tires so um, he said okay this is unacceptable for me as an organic farmer to get this by product on my fields right. which is contaminated con, con, uh, contaminated contaminated excuse me yep. Yep. and uh, uh, also it's coming from animal so um, which were suffering so he said i stop that and i just look for inputs from plant uh, plant based inputs and uh, then he found the standard and said, okay, this is what I wanted to do all the years and I'm doing already, so I want to get be certified. This is, uh, so it's really, really nice to live that, that there are people who are thinking in depth what is going on and they come to the same conclusions.
0: And then they find, they come to the same conclusions and then find that there's a global standard that now exists, which is... Which is really- yes,
1: so they have the possibility to document uh, towards the audience, towards their customers that I'm doing something different from the rest. I uh, differentiate my production uh, scheme from those for, of my labours or from, from other origins. So it is necessary because uh, first of all it's, it's a mind setting. To realize that uh, we don't need animals in agriculture in order to have a fertile soil, in order to have a high quality product. So this is the first step. So of course this step means that he has to care for uh, several other items and topics which an, other, uh, an organic farmer normally doesn't think about. So um, there is a, a greater effort to do in order to produce biocyclic vegan products. So this has to be recognized by the consumers, and this is only possible by, create, by having a label which is visible on the product, and behind this label there is a certification system. So this is so essential that these producers have to undergo a certification process in order to document against others that they have a special quality.
0: I think this is so important that you are talking about both the producers deciding on their own; they they are finding certain things unacceptable in the in the process, um, and then also that it's important for consumers to be aware, and especially within the vegan movement, many of us don't consider how how were the vegetables grown. It's something so simple as that. mean um, <laughs> it, has, it has to make click. <laughs> It's really it funny, to I, that's why when I set up uh, Pacific Roots magazine, I said I'm going to be dedicated to increasing, being part of the increasing of awareness of the reality of vegan farming, that it is possible to grow healthy, vibrant produce without animal inputs. That's yes, yes. very important, it's, just it's, even it's, taking it's, pictures of veganically, some people have never held a vegetable that was veganically grown,
1: Yeah, yeah, that's possible. Yeah, yeah. so it's, uh, it's the fact is that it's not only possible to grow without animal uh, inputs but it's even better because um, you just have to think on a global base Every, uh, you, you use uh, animal byproducts, this means that it's just a byproduct and the rest of the energy the rest of the water uh, the area which is used to grow the fodder for the animals so it's a, it's a huge um uh how do you say this in english um you are uh, it's a huge use of resources uh you you need in order to get the byproduct which you think you need on the field so all these uh, all all these inputs an animal needs can be put directly to the soil Exactly. Or directly for uh, as a raw material for composting. And so we are cl- we are closing this cycle of our, of nutrients much more efficiently than by using animals as part of the agricultural production system. And this is exactly the opposite of of what people normally think. They think it's always going from the plant to the animal and from the animal to the. To the field but it's just a bypass which is not necessary and even nature t- 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 tells us that it's not not necessary there is no, um, no uh, plant system plant growing system which is really dependent on the existence of uh, of animals we are not talking about the microbes and the, uh, and, and the animals in the earth in the soil but we are talking about ruminants or um, bigger animals so on the other hand all animals depend on plants so this shows us which is the first and the most efficient way is just uh, to grow plants with the power of plants well and all of that relates to you have on your
0: website um, obviously listeners will probably be interested in going to your website the i believe it's eight Uh, biocyclic veganic agriculture is good for, and then there's eight points. Yes. Climate, water, soil, biodiversity, health, animals, global food security, and smallholder farms. Uh, I remember I had a question written down for you that, do you think any of these are are a more pressing issue this decade? Of course, they're all intertwined. But for example, global food security. I mean, you have so many issues with with food security and the idea that growing veganically and even eating more plant-based it's becoming more more the un put out the message we, i think it was last year we need to eat please focus on less meat less dairy it yes. came from the yes. un so awareness is really picking up steam but can you address the global food security
1: aspect as well yes of course um, it is maybe you didn't expect my answer but the only way to secure on um, on a, a middle term base uh, food security for maybe nine billion people no problem there is there is enough uh, potential on this planet to feed everybody and if we would shift on a global base to veganic or biocyclic vegan agriculture it would be even easier to reach the goal because what is so this sounds a little bit strange what i tell you now but uh, we have already the first indications very strong indications that by producing um, by using compost on a large scale for producing agricultural crops and vegetables, we can increase yields per acre uh, up to double and this is not not too much what I say because there are already research uh, has been done at the Agricultural University in Athens which proved that um, industrial tomatoes and sweet potatoes which are demanding cultivations doubled their yield by being planted in what we call biocyclic humus soil. So this is a special category, <clears throat> category of compost. It's not comparable with what we normally call compost. Compost is a very good substrate which has to be used as much as possible in agriculture. And it's just <clears throat> giving <clears throat> some input of nutrients and it's giving some other physical um, characteristics uh, of soil improvement but when you um, proceed uh, when, you, when you continue to produce compost this, uh, and you ripe it even for some years then uh, you receive a product which is almost unknown but it exists everywhere on earth but in very small quantities so it has not been observed up to now and this is a completely carbon-stabilized form of organic matter. And this carbon stabilization within this product uh, leads to um, uh, a completely different characteristics of the, of the product, so we cannot compare any more compost with humus soil, but humus soil is produced out of compost. So uh, during the time, and this is the, the a very interesting point, and it is subject to scientific research at the moment which are the uh, circumstances under which we can influence or maybe um, increase the speed where this process is, is going on from humus, to uh, from, from compost to humus soil? One of the most striking characteristics of humus soil is that. It is very, very rich in nutrients, but these nutritional elements are not water soluble anymore. So this means a tremendous advantage against every kind of fertilization, because one of the main problems we face in fertilization is that a big part of the, of the nutrients are washed out by water or are blown into the air uh, and cannot be used by the plants. In humus soil, we have a a store, a storage of nutrients in a way which cannot be washed out anymore by the water. So now maybe somebody would ask, yes, okay, you have a nutrient-rich substrate, but can the plant get out the nutrients from that? And something which nobody did accept, uh, expect is that the plant is able to absorb the nutrients. And very very easily, but it's a completely different way of absorbing the nutrients in a substrate which is free of water-soluble elements. In comparison, what is done in agriculture as we know it up to now, where we use water-soluble fertilizers. All so-called chemical fertilizers are water-soluble, are salts. In when you use manure or compost. Even then, you have a big portion of nutrients which are water-soluble. And normally, uh, the the ability of a fertilizer, uh, when it's characterized as a good fertilizer, it's how quick the plant can absorb the the nutrients. So nobody would have expected that in human soil it is possible to get immediate results. So what happens is that All plants on our Earth have the ability to absorb actively nutrients from their surroundings without the help of water. All plants on our Earth have specialized mechanisms to absorb the water, but they uh, they cannot select what is in the water. So the plant just absorbs whatever is solved in the water. This is the, the mechanism why chemical fertilizing works because the fertilizer are, which are uh, used in the soil they are water soluble so with, together with the water the plant can absorb part of them into the, in the, in the tissue. So in human soil the water absorption is a different thing and the absorption of nutrients is a different thing and this leads To a boost in in development, when you see plants which are growing in humus soil, you you will recognize that it is a totally different appearance. It's growing quicker, it's growing bigger, but it does not look like an over fertilized plant. It's looking like a natural plant, but just one dimension bigger. Just cauliflower is is like that. Mm. Uh, um, uh, Red beans are like that. Somebody wouldn't believe that it's even organic. so, so this is what I say when you ask me for the for the feeding the world. The potential is great, and even by producing huge amounts of humus soil, I can imagine that something like urban farming will contribute to a big amount to to the to the problem problem of food security. When you just imagine the Big cities, the mega cities, in many parts of the world, and uh, when you consider the surface of roofs or houses or gardens, so there is a big potential. And when you have such a substrate, substrate like humus soil, which can be produced everywhere in the world, you can give to those people who want to grow their own vegetables the substrate, and you can solve problems. Uh, but even in normal agriculture, when you use this, it is, uh, this is the, 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 the main task for the future. And uh, we are far away from, <clears throat> from, uh, from this goal because the only, the only thing we know is that it needs time. And uh, we have to, to uh, investigate the mechanisms which lead to a controlled ripening process. At the end of which, we get this product which is called humus soil. Based this is a challenge for the future, for the next 10 years.
0: Challenge for the next 10 years, yes. So based on what you're saying, if I understand correctly, hummus use of humus soil is also a more cost-effective and space-effective way of growing vegetables. Yes. Be, yes,
1: it is, it is because you, you really don't have to care about uh, fertilizing because the plant by itself gets out the nutrients. You can put a seed or you can put a seedling or a young plant or a tree into this material and according to the stage of development the plant will absorb exactly those nutrients which is needs for the specific stage. This is not possible to imitate technically so one way to imitate is, uh, not to imitate, but to, to, to uh, very specifically add fertilizer is the agric- uh, aquaculture, which is exactly the opposite of, of our approach. So there all nutrients are solved in the water and uh, the plants are forced to absorb. So the, fert- the fertilizing uh, process is uh, done technically it can never be exactly as the plant really wants because we see now that the plant which is able to select by itself the nutrients which are available in the surrounding and just taking according to its development stage what it needs, it is growing differently and it's growing better. So it uses a higher part of the genetical potential which it bears in its DNA. So maybe uh, according to a good fertilization plan, you can just, this, this number is not scientific now. I just say it as an example, maybe 60% of the genetical potential you can use by a good fertilizing program. By using um, humusoy, you can increase this percentage up to maybe 84 or 90%. So you you come really to the to the to something you have never seen before. So it's, it's it sounds a little bit strange, but it's really how we can revolutionise agricultural production. And now you maybe you understand why uh, the chapters which deal with the production and the use of humus soil are of central importance in the biocyclic vegan standard. It is not a precondition because it's really a very rare. Material at the moment, we have uh, we have uh, uh, a compost plant in Kalamata in southern Greece where we produce this material for years now, and uh, therefore I, I speak by by my own experience when I talk to uh, to this uh, about these things. But it's uh, just a very small point of the uh, of the world. So we have to create a network of producing units of production units, of, uh, which are able to produce what we call uh, human soil. Do
0: you foresee where over the next decade, for example, uh, where this network of plants will be developed? I mean, are there you have farms that are coming forward saying we, we want to be um, certified with the standard. So are there yeah. also an the interest also developing for plants which can
1: produce the humus soil? I didn't understand exactly uh, your question. Can you read it?
0: No, so you, you, you obviously have uh, many farms that have come forward and want to go through the process of certification, and now you have one plant in Cyprus that's producing the hummus. Um, in, in Greece. It's in right. Greece, it's a, it's a Greece so yes. Mm-hmm. The important thing will be to, as you, as you mentioned, um, see, see a network of plants worldwide. Yeah, yeah Of course, of course.
1: Yeah. So there's some in there because it, it, you you have to use big quantities. So it's it's completely uneconomic to transport this material uh, very far. So there has to be a, a local uh, supply of this, of this material of this uh, substrate. Um, and uh, there are already in Germany there are there is a, a company which has several uh, compost plants. Uh, Over the country, and uh, they have understood the, what is going on, and <clears throat> they have already prepared a portion of their compost production, which is just plant-based, and now they're in the ripening process to obtain uh, biocyclic uh, human soil. So this will come, and uh, but it's it's difficult, it's difficult, and, uh, because a commercial compost plant. Um, tries to produce very quickly the compost. It's, a, it's just an economic term that you have a quick turnover because it's expensive to have the area and the machinery working and so for the production of compost. So uh, therefore um, you almost, you won't find any, uh, any quantities of humus soil in normal compost plants because the material is just too unripe in order to obtain these characteristics which we were talking about. So, we have uh, really to create new plants or we have to create incentives for commercial compost plants because, of course, it costs more. Of course, it takes more time. And this could be addressed to um, politics, uh, to a legal framework. It said we have to create a legal framework to uh, give incentives and to give um, to give uh, how is it called um, per- permits. At the moment, the production of compost is so restricted in some countries. Uh, even in Germany, some federal uh, states have a different legislation about compost product- production. Um, the most flexible and the most I think most modern system of compost production is in Austria where they allow to producers, to farmers to produce compost on their fields even on behalf of communities, of municipalities and it can be done on a local farm level which is revolutionary comparing it with the legislation in Germany where this is forbidden. So uh, this is really We have to to work a lot also on this level in order to get the thing running. And of course, you can understand that uh, maybe there are some obstacles which uh, will be very difficult to overcome uh, in persuading some authorities to do that.
0: Right. Well, uh, we will be closing out this chat soon, but I just want to wrap up on that note. That was, yes, that was my question about, um, you just answered it, uh, what what needs to happen for a more robust global uh, g- and growth of a global network of these plants producing it. And um, I like, as I mentioned earlier, how you, you sort of address the producer at- side, but also the consumer side. And I think growing awareness too on the consumer level a- about this, and especially as you mentioned, urban farming, um, having the potential to contribute so much to food security. I mean, people really taking taking this down to a community level, and then knowing, um, you know, the uh, effectiveness of this yeah. technique too could be, as you mentioned, revolutionary.
1: And if you if you consider that uh, having uh, this humus soil on a on a pot or, uh, or wherever you want to grow either in a greenhouse, or in an open-air field, or on the roof of a a city. You don't have to care about nutrition. You just have to put the seed into this material, into the substrate, and to pour water, Mm -hmm. and to grow it, and to harvest. Don't forget to harvest. (laughs) This is the other thing. And even on uh, plant health issues, there is a positive effect. A plant which is growing, in, a, in, a, in an environment which offers all what it needs, uh, feels better, has a better immune system and can cope much easier with any kind of diseases. What we cannot um, influence very easily are pests which are caused by animals, by insects because they are coming from outside the system they are not produced by the plant itself so um, the plant can can, uh, create mechanisms to protect itself against fungi very easily and plants which are grown in uh, biocyclic humus soil, more or less we don't observe any heavy fungi uh, infections but we are not protected against um Insects, so okay. this is the only thing the grower has to care about to protect the plants against um, yes a damage of say, insects uh, and this is also an issue which comes to another very essential part of the biocyclic vegan standard this has to do with biodiversity when we have uh, massive insect infestation that means that there is something like a balance it's not working anymore so. Unfortunately, normally these, um, the factors that create these um, adverse conditions cannot be influenced by a single farmer. You can help to introduce um, uh, a bigger uh, biodiversity. You can help to, that you get uh, birds Nesting in your fields, in your trees, and so this is something very, very essential, and we and we give emphasis on that. But um, this should be done on a on a on a local, on a, on a regional level, in order to have really um, a protection against uh, such unbalanced developments. But um, yeah, yeah, this is another task for the future to create. Um, uh, 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 an ecologic network which allows for all kinds of uh, antagonists to 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 be uh, to be active, because we won't have never in a surrounding where we don't have ant- insects, and some of these insects are really uh, destroying our cultivations. We have to know that, but these insects have also, or these animals have. Uh, predators and uh, uh, natural enemies so we have to to create the overall conditions that there is a balance this will give us the best protection of course an organic farmer and even a biocyclic vegan farmer has to protect himself against these kind of uh, therefore we have introduced what we call the green list which is a list of agricultural inputs officially allowed for organic farming but selected by um, biocyclic vegan criteria so they have to be 100% plant based they have to be uh, selective not to interfere with with the Pick uh, with, with a total of anim, uh, animals or so. That if you have a special problem, that is very, very um, restricted. Uh, um, yeah, the, the, it should be just um, help you for the for the single problem and not to destroy other other animals or so. So <clears throat> it's a bit. It uh, was that good now uh, this sentence. <laughs> Maybe you can. <laughs> um find a better expression but you understand what i mean yeah yeah so uh we have to use what is possible uh, biocyclic vegan agriculture means um also a high standard of technological knowledge so whatever is has been developed in the last uh, decades is useful um to the knowledge we have gained about uh, the uh, interactions between uh, several species um, is one thing. Another thing is that we do not use at at the moment in a way as it should be uh, the mechanisms which can improve this exactly all these conditions of agricultural production by using mixed cultures. So using Mixed culture systems is a tremendous way to, to uh, overcome a lot of plant protection issues. And even in organic farming, we do not use this. And therefore, in the biocyclic vegan standard, we have another emphasis on mixed cultures, which is, you can say this has to do with biodiversity, as we want to increase biodiversity in the natural surrounding we have to increase biodiversity also in our fields and this is done by mixed cultures even in a a greenhouse you can cultivate at the same time five to ten different plants, different cultivations and there you create conditions completely different what we are used now and you can reduce costs for pesticides, insecticides, and so on.
0: Can you also touch on, of the eight principles, you also mentioned that the organic agriculture is the climate aspect.
1: The climate aspect, yes. Very, very essential, and I think at the moment the climate discussion uh, at least in Europe and America is uh, on a very, very uh, high uh, awareness. So it's it's an immediate um, effect on that because, first of all, um, one of the very essential um, factors which cause the climate change, or which increase the climate change impact, let's say, is uh, are the so-called uh, greenhouse gases. And these greenhouse gases are ma- uh, a, a big pro- pro- proportion. I don't remember exactly the number, but I think it's 30%, is produced by ruminants. So cows, sheep, and and, and goats are causing most of these uh, greenhouse gases, uh, which are much more harmful than the so-called CO2. Carbon dioxide is a very small part of the greenhouse gases. And uh, we uh, have to be careful when we are talking about CO2 as a bad thing. Um, scientifically spoken, uh, the reduction of CO2 is not the reduction of CO2, but the reduction of CO2 equivalence. So the greenhouse gases are uh, um, they're, they're calculated in CO2 equivalence. And uh, this is really misleading the, um, um, the opinion of the people, uh, uh, but just talking about CO2, because CO2 is necessary for plant growing. It's a natural gas in our atmosphere, and it's mainly produced by the oceans, by completely natural, uh, natural um, uh, procedures. So a, a, a certain part of the CO2 in the atmosphere is released by by, by man, uh, and the biggest part is released by natural organisms. So uh, we just have to be careful. But now we come back to the topic of humus soil. Mm-hmm. By creating humus soil, we bind the CO2 which was formerly in the atmosphere. Afterwards, it was. Uh, bound in the, uh, the organic matter of plants and by producing plant-based compost and by uh, transferring this compost into a stabilized, a carbon stabilized phase in the form of humus soil, we bind this carbon, uh, carbon dioxide in the soil. And not just for one year or two years, which could be able also by using just a compost, a common compost, also is a kind of CO2 storage. But using human soil, you bind it for decades because it cannot degrade anymore. The process has stopped on a micro molecular level and cannot be, um, it cannot be. Uh, how can I say this uh, the um, decomposition of the carbon uh, of the carbon complexes um, does not lead anymore to a release of CO2 this has stopped in human soil so you really have a long lasting deposit of, of uh, CO2 by using this, this uh, substrate uh, so, you can imagine when we come to a global um, uh, use of this humus soil, we can really have a positive impact on the climate. And uh, and by both, by reducing animal production, we have an immediate impact on the amount of... Uh, uh, greenhouse gases and uh, by using human soil by producing human soil we have an impact of reducing this CO2 so it's uh, in both senses we are we give a solution within agriculture we can give a solution for the problem and not we are not uh, up to now agriculture is one of the causes one of the reasons why we have uh, this impacts in climate change. Now we can turn agriculture into part of the solution and not part of the problem. And another thing I forgot to tell you is that um, the, uh, yes, no, I I just lost my answer. So it will come with the next question, I'm sure.
0: Well, I am wrapping up with some questions now. I mean, there's always, it's fascinating to listen to you. I'm learning so much, and that's part of the reason I established the platform I did. It was partly to learn to uh, meet with experts in their own fields and listen and share that on a larger platform. So I think this is incredibly important, and it's it's not hard to get excited listening to you talk about this Soil. I'm excited to go read on now myself um, about it and to... Uh, research further and Mm. put this is it this is it's important planetary planet wide and Mm. and so for anybody people having yes rooftop gardens or in apartments I live in an apartment balcony gardens from all the way from this micro level to you know producers um, it's like change has to happen at every level Mm. and you have a you have a fascinating and very promising solution. So yes, I am really excited to I, I would like to learn more, so much more. Maybe we'll we'll do another chat later this year about the various farms that have um, worldwide also who have now the biocyclic vegan standard. Maybe we can kind of end on that note. How many farms approximately or or what
1: regions are many of these farms located? It's difficult to tell you the number of them at the moment because um the the certification process just started some months ago. Okay. So um just to give you an idea of the potential is that thirty percent of the organic farms in Germany are already without animal husbandry. Okay. Well, that seems some of them use animal has uh, animal manure from other neighbors. Right. The potential for them to just say, "Okay, we don't need the the, the manure. We can just step into uh, the certification system and not using any manual, uh, animal inputs, is very very easy. Uh, so, on the other hand, we realize that everywhere, either in Austria, or in France, or in Holland, or in Germany. <coughs> the producers, the first producers which have been certified, have already adopted, in, uh, in some way, uh, the, um, the principles of biocyclic vegan farming. So, probably, there are a lot of farmers in the world, which do the same, but we didn't know it up to now, and they didn't know about us so of your tasks could be to bring this knowledge together that there is a standard you can certify can be certified and here are the the producers which already thought about this and came to the same conclusions and even if it is um, uh, in some cases you can imagine that they are more or less plant-based but there are some points of the production process where they still are um, uh, de- uh, they still depend on some animal inputs, so this is easy to to change then if the if the main pre- uh, the main production process is plant-based, then it's just to abandon the one or the other thing and they can be certified and by by getting certified, they get the awareness uh, they, 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 they get the audience uh, and the uh, among the consumers which they need exactly. uh, to, uh, otherwise, uh, therefore also there are some initiatives that say okay we are planting for our consumers there are some uh, this um, uh, how is it called in english it's community community based agriculture oh wait it's a csa a community supported agriculture right so these are very interesting schemes and some of them i know that they are already um, growing without animal inputs, they don't have animal uh, husbandry. Right. So, but in order to documentate this uh, uh, for in their in their cities among their customers, their consumers, they should have a certification. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they just have to tell, okay, yes, our our consumers know that. Yes, but if you if you do that, let's check it by somebody, by a third party, so that you can document, okay, I don't just tell it, but I do it, and I can be checked against that.
0: I think one of the interesting things about your work, I imagine, especially locally there in Cyprus, is you have the ability to also check in with farms and see the development over time after after they are certified, so you can really see the the change. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes, it, it is uh, the thing is that we have solutions for problems which part of them has not even recognized as a problem.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> so we have really to do two steps together. And by solving uh, a, a problem, for example, we uh, an organic, um, a biocyclic vegan farm which does not use any kind of fertilizers of animal origin anymore has less problems with some soil-borne diseases so-called, because by using animal by-products in a way as it was done up to now, we increase the danger of some uh, misbalances, unbalanced developments of microbes and so on. Even if you think about the aspect of um, the, of the health aspect, of the hygiene aspect, when you are growing vegetables. And you know these vegetables have never come into connection with manure, which is poisonous for for people, for for for, for the human organism. Uh, it's, you cannot eat um, uh, when you have put your hands into manure. You, you, it's not allowed to eat. You have to wash your hands. Mm-hmm. When you put your hands into human soil, you can eat the bread without... Uh, Washing your hands. So it's a hygiene aspect also. Then it's it's a health aspect uh, when you uh, think about the antibiotics which are used in animal husbandry. And it is proven that they occur in manure, they are not destroyed in the manure. And now, latest findings proved that active Antibiotics can be found even in plants which have been fertilized with animal manure. So the cycle, which is um, uh, so the, the health, human health, is so connected to what is going on in the soil, much much more as we think about. It. This, is, this is another aspect. I think, I forgot something uh, for the climate aspect to tell you, but, um, yeah, another aspect that has to do with the climate is um, water quality. Very many regions of the world are affected by agricultural production um, regarding a water quality, drinking water quality, because of nitrates and uh, other fertilizers, which have to have, have been um, leached from the soil and has gone to the underground water, and from there it's uh, uh, it's used for drinking water. And um, many many regions have a very severe problem of even in uh, the central Central Europe, it's difficult to have groundwater in drinking quality anymore. So and the main cause is agriculture, is conventional agriculture. So by using human soil, where is it, it there, there is no leaching anymore of neutral animals. You have also a guarantee that you will not ever pollute the underground water. So in another aspect, very okay. central.
0: Well, I wish you could see all the notes I've been taking This same. <laughs> this will be um, really, I'm very interested to learn more, uh, to hopefully host you again to learn more about uh, Biocyclic Vegan uh, Network, to see that growth over time and um, to share this as well. So, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for your time. And we will be sharing this very soon. And um, I look forward to staying in touch with you. Yeah. I'm glad you exist <laughs> with the um, work that you're doing. Thank you,
1: thank you very much. And I, I'm really uh, very happy that we, uh, that you contacted me because uh, you share a big portion of um, responsibility as a journalist, as an editor of a magazine to disseminate uh, our experiences, these findings. And to help, um, yes, to help getting the message, uh, because when you one once you have understood what is going on, and how plants grow on this surface on our planet, as you just imagine how what a, what a small part of the surface of our planet is soil. Ah, oh, now I remember what I wanted to tell you. Excuse me. <laughs> do you have uh, another two minutes? Absolutely. Okay. It's a a number very easy to understand. Climate change, CO2. Just imagine 10% of the agriculturally used surface of the world. Only 10%. And we want to increase the humus content. So this is the, the content of organic matter in the soil in a depth of 25 centimeters. That is the uh, the depth where it is measured. So the task is to increase hum- uh, the the content of organic matter, for uh, at 0.5 percent. Normally, a fertile soil is considered to have 5 percent of ga- uh, organic matter. The uh, most of the soils of the world have between 0.2 or 0.5 and 1.0. Uh, so very very low content of organic matter. One of the main issues of agricultural production in the future is to increase the percentage of organic matter in the soil. So we just want to increase by 0.5 percent. Which does that mean? That means that by increasing 10 percent of the agricultural land, increasing by 0.5 percent, we can absorb 70 percent of the CO2 which has been produced by men, by human activities. 70%, 70%, only at 10% of the agricultural land. So you can imagine that doing this with the rest of the land, we really can absorb whatever CO2 um, uh, is produced uh, by non natural sources uh, um, um, activities. So, and what does that mean? This zero point is a very theoretical uh, number. You can very easily imagine a square meter in your garden, and you just need five liters of compost. This is nothing. When you pour the five liters on a square meter, which is one meter, one meter? You yeah, have half a centimeter, a layer of half a, cent- a half centimeter thick layer uh, of compost, or when you plant on one square meter five tomato plants. You just have to dig five holes for the plants and to pour in every hole one liter of compost. It's really a manageable quantity, and by doing that, you help to reduce the CO2 from the air into the soil. It's a, it's a, it's a nice number because you can, everybody can understand that it is not impossible to save the planet. We just have to understand what happens and to do the right decisions and and one of the everyday decisions is what do I eat and what do I buy and this is a decision everybody has right Right. this is the power of consumers
0: power of consumer exactly and for that space you mentioned um, I don't know if if that's per household uh, the square meter i mean if we look at it sort of on average even urban dwellers like i live in the middle of a city but if you were to utilize community garden spaces you know yeah. mm-hmm. so, combine those meters or or balconies for those who have balconies as you mentioned rooftops i mean there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of space for this mm-hmm. i get very excited mm-hmm. looking at city gardening movements yeah. Yeah. Uh, forward to connecting company? more Me with too. them yes exactly and i, I Absolutely. We'll love to share this information everywhere, um, because I think uh, a lot of a lot of gardening movements will be very interested in this. Yeah. Obviously, some already know about it, but bringing this. Um, I'm very committed to also helping bringing this knowledge mm-hmm. to mainstream. Yep. Yeah. That's great. I'm glad you remembered the number. There is a reason why we haven't closed the chat yet. That that uh, the one meter aspect, uh, one square meter aspect, was was waiting to come out. Um, oh, yeah. Describes it. exactly. <laughs> so we are at an hour. So I'm going to close out, and uh, with the hope that we can return for a chat perhaps later this year. And
1: mm-hmm. thank you. And, very- uh, yes, that, uh, give me some. Uh- some information how you used now this material how how it will be uh, if, is, will it be you know, an article or what what will it be but this video will go on facebook
0: i might even upload oh, it the video so what we did now is uh, yes but you will uh, no this is not live right now this
1: is okay yeah right no, no, but you will uh, okay I didn't know that it will be also <laughs> for the audience.
0: Right, right. So, and then I'll use the audio, and it will go on. I'm still recording. Um, we'll we'll use the audio, and it will go on podcast platforms. Okay. Um, and then with time, I might be able to transcribe. That's very time-consuming transcribing a whole chat, but <laughs> definitely people will be tuning in. From um, so far the platform, we have a lot of listeners in Australia and some in Europe and North America. Obviously, I, I'm looking forward to a global, you know, audience. Mm-hmm. But so people will have multiple ways to you know watch the video. Um, upload it. I will tag you so the whoever manages your accounts on the social media will you know be aware that it's there so people can watch the dialogue or listen to it perhaps also we should mention your website of course I'll also put it in captions yeah, but, yeah. Um, nice, yeah bio, cyclic uh, are there any dots is it can you read your website uh,
1: the most international uh, website for where you have you can uh, read it in english and in France, uh, french and german is um, www <clears throat> uh, biocyclic-vegan.org And another one which is related to uh, what we do here in Greece but uh, it contains also very uh, general information is uh, www.biocyclic-network.net and uh, our web, uh, our our site at Facebook, uh, biocyclic. Uh, it's called Panhellenic Biocyclic Vegan Network. Also, a nice source of some, yeah, uh, more up-to-date information.
0: Okay. Well, Johannes, thank you so much for your time. If you want to hold on one moment, I'm going to say thank you and pause the recording, and then. And thank you
1: also for your. Time and for your interest, you (laughs) You showed me for this.
0: Thank you for listening to Pacific Roots Magazine podcast. Visit us online at pacificrootsmagazine.com.